We're going to start a series on 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus. These are also known as the pastoral epistles. Now, as soon as I say that, you're going to be saying to me, well, why do we need to study them, George? Because if they're the pastoral epistles, that means they're obviously for pastors, and so this is something I don't need to really think about or worry about. Well, uh, yes and no. Yes, these were written to Timothy and Titus, who were pastors, but this isn't a letter that was just shared with pastors. These letters, this is why it's in your in your Bible, were shared for the whole church because what we're going to see here actually impacts everybody and impacts your life as well as my life, everyone. So we need to be aware of what we are looking at here. So this first lesson, we're not going to start off in 1 Timothy. We're kind of going to do an introduction. So I want to do a couple things here today. I want to talk about epistles in the New Testament, and then I'm going to talk particularly about the three epistles just to give you an introduction. Now, why am I going to spend some time talking about the epistles? Well, when you read the Bible, you need to understand you're not just reading one book. You are reading a book of books. You're reading a book of 66 individual books that were written by individual authors, and the purpose of each book or letter is different. And so there are some different things that you need to be aware of, and you need to guard yourself against making mistakes when you read your Bible, when you read a particular book in the Bible. And most people, when they read a particular book in the Bible, they read it devotionally. They're trying to get some kind of moral story out of it. But that's not what we want to do. We want to read and see what it says and how to apply it to our lives. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk, first of all, about the nature of the epistles. So let's talk about the New Testament literature, okay? The New Testament is made up of four types of books. Okay, so from Matthew to Revelation, you have four types of books there. Okay? Four types of books. You have the Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The historical book, which is Acts. It's a history book. Then you have an apocalyptic book, which is the, Rev Re the book of the Revelation. Now, when we say apocalyptic, we're talking about a book concerning what happens in the end of time. Do you understand? And then you have the epistles, or epistles. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning to help you to discern a little bit. Now, here's what I need you to understand. Each type of book varies in its purpose and structure. So when you read the four Gospels, you're going to notice that the four Gospels are completely different than the epistles. The epistles are completely different than the book of Revelation, which is different than the book of Acts. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So they're different. They have a different purpose and a different structure. So because it has a different purpose and a different structure, 
You need to read them differently or you need to consider what's being said differently. Do you understand? So the difference in types requires approaching the book based upon the type. The difference in type requires approaching the book based upon the type. And what we're going to be approaching here with this study is the epistles. Okay? We're going to be approaching three of the Paul's epistles. Paul has 13 epistles, and we're going to be looking at three of them in this study. Now, let's talk about the epistles. The epistles can be divided into two groups, the letters of Paul and the general letters. So when you look at the epistles, so that's everything after the book of Acts up to the book of Revelation. So when you start with Romans and you go all the way up to uh, the last book before Revelation, those are all considered letters, okay? They're all epistles. Now, an epistle is, is a nice biblical way of saying just a letter, okay? In today's day, we don't write letters very often anymore. It's, they're all, you would almost want to call them emails, okay? They're, that's the type of thing that they are. So there are two types. There are the epistles of Paul. So these are the 13 letters that he wrote. And then there's what's called the general epistles. They're the epistles written by others, okay? So, The epistles are not consistent and uniform. They're not consistent and uniform. So they're not, they're not all the same. Some letters begin with a greeting. Paul to so and so. Some letters don't begin with a greeting at all. You don't even know who it's being written to. Some letters have a thanksgiving and follow the, the ancient format of writing letters. Some just go ahead and just start saying things and and start teaching. So every letter is different and every letter is, they're not necessarily uniform. Now here's what I want you to see. Now this one you need to understand. The epistles were intended for a specific occasion. Now if you look in your notes, I've included a little commentary blurb there for you to read, okay? A little commentary blurb blurb to uh, tell you a little bit of what I'm trying to emphasize there. Now, what I want you to understand is is when Paul wrote 1 Timothy, he was writing 1 Timothy for a specific occasion in Timothy's life and ministry at that time. When he wrote 1 Corinthians, he was writing the Corinthians with regard to a specific issue that was going on with the Corinthians. Every single one of the letters were written with a specific occasion in mind. Now, why is that important? Well, if I'm going to understand what's being written, I need to understand why it's being written, right? If he's going to give instructions concerning something, or he's answering a question, I need to know what the issue was that he's trying to address. See, that helps me to interpret it that helps me to see what is it that the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate. And when you discover that, it helps you in understanding the text. Do you understand what I'm saying? In understanding the text. So the the epistles were intended 
for a specific occasion. Now, the occasion of the epistle must be taken seriously. You just can't blow it off and say, oh, well, you know, the church at Corinth, yeah, they were having problems, they were having sin issues, they were fighting among each other, but really, that really doesn't matter. We should just read this in light of what we're going through today. No, 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 that's not at all proper. If you're going to really understand what's being communicated, you need to take very seriously what was happening in the church at that time. Take very seriously what was happening in the church at that time. Now, here's the other thing I want you to recognize, is that the epistles are not necessarily theological treatises. They're not necessarily a theological statement, although there is theology there. And although you can understand some things about God and doctrine and so forth, a lot of times... The epistles aren't that at all. So, for instance, if I were to look at 3 John, 3 John is basically a discussion with Gaius concerning the fact that the Apostle John is going to come and take care of a bully in the church by the name of Diotrephes. He's going to come take care of the bully. Now, it's not a big theological letter. It's just a letter saying, hey, I'm going to come and make things right because this guy's not doing right. Do you understand? So there's something to learn from it, but at least we know now how to read the letter, right? Because the occasion is is they got a bully in the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? They got a bully in the church who's who's trying to exert control, and the letter tells you how he's going to handle it. Okay? How he's going to handle it, or basically pointing out what this guy's doing wrong. So... Here's some basic rules for reading the epistles. I'm going to give you two basic rules. The text cannot mean what it never meant to its author or original readers. So when I look at the New Testament, and this is true of any book in the Bible, the text that I'm reading can't mean anything more than what it meant to the original writer and the original author. So let's stop for a moment. Did the original writer and author have iPhones? Did he? Did he have TV? Did they understand the Marvel Cinematic Universe? No, they didn't understand all of it. Did they drive cars? Did they travel around the world in 15 hours? Did they, did you understand? What am I saying? I'm not saying that technological advances aren't addressed in the scripture, but don't read your common culture things right now into the text. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you want to get what the text is saying and get what the scripture is saying, you need to look at what's being communicated then and bring the principle out now. Do you understand? So does the Bible have anything to say about smartphones? Well, it has principles to guide us, general principles to guide us in using our smartphones. What do you mean principles to guide us, George? Well, if I go to Philippians, it tells me what? To think on that which is pure and holy. So I don't want to use it as an instrument to to confront me with evil, right? 
But to say specifically that it has something for smartphones? No, it doesn't. It has general principles for us to operate throughout our lives. But so the text can't mean what it never meant to its author and original reader. So that's the first thing you've got to understand if you're going to read a New Testament epistle or letter. Now, here's the next point. Where we share similar life situations with the first century church, God's word is the same for us. All right, so let me just say this. So where we share similar life situations with the first century church, God's word is the same for us. Okay, so for instance, in the first century church, one of the things that they had to deal with is that they lived in a very sexualized culture where even their worship involved sex. And so he speaks a lot in the New Testament to sexual purity and abstaining from sexual immorality and things like that and guarding the purity of your heart and guarding the purity of your marriage. Now, let me just stop for a moment. That's what was going on in the first century church. Do we share those experiences today? Maybe not involving sex and worship, but do we experience that kind of culture today? So God's word to them is also what? God's word to us, correct? Yeah, exactly right. Okay, exactly right. So that's helping you to understand how to read the New Testament epistles. Now, let's take a look now. We're going to kind of go through the three letters. I'm going to do the first epistle to Timothy, the second epistle to Timothy, and the epistle of Titus. And we're going to look at the setting and the purpose. So as we go through these letters, you need to know the setting. Why? Because that's going to help you to discern what the original question is, what the original issue is, okay? And then you're going to see what the purpose is. This is going to help you to understand where Paul is going with his letter, okay? So the setting, first of all, This letter was written while Paul was in Rome or Macedonia in A.D. 64. So 1 Timothy, the letter was written in A.D. 64. Now this would be towards the end of Paul's life. In just a couple of years, Paul will be martyred. He will be arrested and martyred for his faith. Okay, so this is at the end of his life and his ministry. So you need to understand that. He's already been in prison once, okay, and been released. Now we know he's been in prison because that's where the book of Acts ends, is him coming to Rome. What we don't know is that he was released and he had ministry again, but now we're looking at a letter which is towards the end of his life before he's arrested again, okay? So that sets the setting. Paul addresses the issue of false teachers and possible divisions in the Ephesian church. So he's going to address two issues here. First of all, just so you understand, who's, he, who's what church is Timothy pastoring? It's the Ephesian church. What do we know about the Ephesian church? Well, we know a lot about it because that's the church that Paul helped start, spent several years there, 
God did miraculous things. And so now, here it is, towards the end of Paul's ministry, Timothy is serving as the pastor there, and he's concerned about two things with that church. And think, look about this, and do you think this is relevant to us today? Number one, he's concerned about false teachers. Think that's relevant to us? Okay, yes. In fact, the false teachers that he's talking about here are probably Jewish Christians or Jews who say they are Christians who want to impose the law. Who want to say that if you're going to be a Christian or if you're saved, you have to do these things. You have to be circumcised. You have to observe the law. So he's concerned about false teachers. We need to be concerned about false teachers today. False teachers will rob you. False teachers will deceive you. And their message is subtle. They'll come in and say that we need to do certain things and be certain things and keep your focus away from the gospel. Now, here's the second thing that he was concerned about. He was concerned about possible divisions in the church. Now, what do you think he's talking about there? When you talk about divisions in the church, what are you talking about? I'm not talking about Steeler fans versus Eagle fans, okay? All right, so what do you think he's talking about? Although it could that could be an issue. What do you think he's talking about divisions in the church? It's not hard. Conflict, that's a right. Church fighting. Anybody know about church fighting? Have you seen it? Okay. So is that relevant today? You know, so like, do we as a church need to be on guard against divisions? We should be always, in fact, that's the emphasis of the scripture, always striving for what? Unity, right? So here, so immediately you realize that as I read 1 Timothy, I'm realizing a couple things. Paul's at the end of his ministry. Peter's a pastor in Ephesus. He's got false teachers he's dealing with. Plus, Paul's concerned about maybe hearing the rumblings of church division. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hearing the rumblings of church division. So as you read this letter, you got that in the back of your mind as far as what's going on here. Do you understand what I'm saying when you read it? So that'll help you to understand and help you to find where your life situation lines up with the life situation that's being talked about in the scripture. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because that's where God's word is God's word for what? You. It's all God's word, but it's where it speaks to you. Do you understand? I think you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever read through the Bible at a certain point in your life, and you're like, wow, that's what I needed right then, or wow, that's how did God know? Do you know what I'm saying? Because you resonated with what you read, okay? You resonated with what you read. Now, let's go on. We're looking at the setting. Let's talk about the purpose. Paul wrote the letter to encourage and instruct Timothy. Okay, do you think that has any relevance to us? He's writing the letter to encourage and instruct Timothy. Do you think that has any reference to us? Teach us to? Did I hurt somebody over here? What did did I hear over here? Who did I hear? 
Yeah, encourage us as well. Okay. Anybody else want to say anything? Because I don't want you thinking, oh, it's just pastoral instruction and I'm not a pastor. No, no, no. He's talking to Timothy about his character. He's talking to Timothy about his life. He's talking to Timothy about how Timothy deals with other people. Now, quote, are those things that we need to talk about? Our character, how our life, and how we deal with other people? Unless you don't deal with other people here at all, right? How many of you exist in a vacuum and never interact with anybody at ever? If you do, we will talk to you later because that's not healthy. Okay? That's not healthy. So, first thing, Paul wrote the letter in order to encourage and instruct Timothy. Now, he wrote to give instruction concerning the organization of a local church. Now, you know, here's the thing. You need to understand, churches need to be organized. So churches need to know how to operate and function together so that they can accomplish things. You know, I often hear people say, oh, I'm really sick of all this. I just want to have church. When I hear that, what they mean is that they just want to have a church service. But you can't have a church without what? Organization. Do you understand? you got to have organization, and so the Bible is going to give us some instruction concerning organization. You seem perplexed, Gene. Yes. Yes, and there are some churches that are just chaos. Okay? There are some churches where they're, they are chaos. And so he's going to give some instructions. So for instance, he's going to talk about leaders. And he's going to talk about types of leaders. Now be prepared. I'm just going to go ahead and prepare you. The Bible doesn't teach democracy. We're used to democracy, where we pick somebody, put them on a board, and hope that's okay. Leaders in the Bible aren't selected by democracy. Now, we choose that here through congregational rule, but you're going to see that a spiritual leader has to meet certain qualifications. Did you understand what I'm saying? And you have to be sure of who they are, because we're not talking about, does everybody recognize this is not the moose? or the Elks, or your hunt club. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? This is not the sportsmen, or the Girl Scouts, or the boys. Do you, does everybody understand that? This isn't even the military, okay? This is the church, the body of believers, a spiritual body. And so there's God has a lot to say about how that church is to function, Okay? A lot to say, and I'm going to tell you right now what it's going to tell you. Here's the word, plurality. The word is plurality. Does anybody know what that means? Many. Many what? Many leaders. I want you to understand the Bible doesn't talk in terms of one guy leading the show. It talks in terms of a group of leaders leading the show. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's from the Bible. We're going to see that here. Now that should ease your mind, right? Because a lot of times we think of churches, especially in our circle of churches, 
Who's the top dude? And what does he want? And do I agree with what he wants? No, no, that's not how it works. That's not biblical. Okay? That's not biblical. So Paul wrote to give instruction concerning the organization of a local church. Paul also uses the letter to help Timothy deal with false teachers. I think that's going to be pretty helpful to us. We live in a world of false teachers. Listen, folks, I have identified there there are five or six influences on the church that are in our area that I pray about every day. Five or six that will deceive and lead Christians astray. Five or six. It's that real. Okay? And so you need to know how to deal with false teachers in your life. Okay? Now, let's talk about the second epistle to Timothy. This is his second letter to Timothy. This was written while Paul was a prisoner in Rome. It's actually his last letter that we know of. His last letter, he is in prison in Rome. This would have been written sometime in A.D. 66 and 67. All right, so this is his last known letter to Timothy. Paul addresses the issue of apostasy in the church and his loneliness in prison. So when you look at this letter, it's very evident that Paul's wanting to address a couple things. Number one, apostasy. Now, does everybody understand what apostasy is? Shall I tell you, apostasy means leaving the faith. It is someone who says that they are a Christian and then becomes an atheist or whatever. But they, quote, leave the faith behind. That's what apostasy is. The Bible has a lot to talk about. The New Testament has a lot to talk about concerning apostasy. And the fact of the matter is, is that people can be in the church. In fact, he talks about they were come from among us, and they leave us, and they profess at one time, but then they don't profess anymore. So then, but here's where we get all hung up on, oh, that's not possible, George. Nobody can lose their salvation. Were you sure they were saved in the first place? Do you understand? But the fact of the matter, when we talk about apostasy, we're talking about those who were among us who said the same things, but then they left us and became our enemies. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he's addressing apostasy in the church. Now, we're going to have some discussions about this, so get ready as we go through this, because I'm sure that's going to stir discussions. And you need to, because you need to be aware that not everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian. Do you understand? And if somebody walks away from the faith, there is no evidence in the Bible that they're going to heaven. The evidence is that they're going to hell. So we're going to talk about that, okay? And Paul's going to talk about his loneliness in prison. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's the purpose. Paul wrote... Paul wrote the letter to inspire and challenge Timothy to carry on the gospel ministry. Paul wrote the letter. Here's a guy who's suffering in prison. He's facing death. 
The death he's facing because he's a Roman citizen is he's going to be beheaded. You say, wow. Well, the other option is crucifixion. Death by beheading was quick. Okay? So here's a guy who's going through it, and he's writing a letter to encourage Timothy, keep hanging on. Keep doing the ministry. I'm at the end of my ministry. You keep going on. Now, the next section we're going to look at here is the epistle to Titus. That's our third letter, and we'll talk about Titus later on. But again, this letter was written before he was imprisoned, okay? So the letter was written while Paul was in Corinth, or Nicopolis, in A.D. 64 or 65. So again, this is at the end of his ministry, but he's not in his second imprisonment yet, okay? Now, here's what he's going to do. And again, we already saw this with 1 Timothy. He addresses the issue of false teachers and the organization of the church. So again, he's going to address false teachers. Let me just help you to understand. Every text in the New Testament, every book in the New Testament talks about false teachers. Should we be aware? Okay. And let me just go ahead and say this. Since you need to realize that there are false teachers out there and they're here today, please be discerning with who you listen to on the radio or the TV. Simply because they have a big ministry does not mean that they're right. And it could mean... Well, it could mean that they're really wrong and deceiving lots of people. Do you understand? The fact of the matter is you've got to be wise. Just because somebody's got Baptist in their name or Christian in their name or whatever does not mean they're okay. Okay? Doesn't mean they're okay. You need to be aware of that. So Paul's going to address the issue of false teachers and, again, the organization of the church. Now, he wrote the letter to bolster Titus's authority as the leader of the church. So this is one of the purposes. He's, he's trying to encourage Titus to recognize his authority as a leader in the church. Okay? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about authority. All right? And he wrote the letter to give clear instructions concerning ministry in the church. So again, a church is not just some place where you just go and do whatever you want to do. There have to be some clear guidelines to how we do ministry in the church. Do you understand? Some clear guidelines. Now, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see in this letter that, in these letters that we're going to go through, that Paul's going to give some instructions on, like, how to deal with widows. Who's truly a widow in the church? A widow. Someone who's lost their husband. Because in their day, the church would take care of widows. But he's got some guidelines for whether the church should take care of them or not. So we're going to talk about that. And that, you know, if we don't have that kind of problem today, but it does give us some guidance for how we deal with people who are in need. Do you understand? People who are in need. I really think you're going to enjoy going through these three books, okay? I really believe you're going to really enjoy going through these three books. In fact... We're going to be in this 
for six months. Six months. And it's going to be really good. We're going to, we're going to really get some things. And Titus, Titus talks about salvation, the grace of salvation, teaching you to say no to sin in your life. You probably never knew that. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It has appeared teaching us to say no to ungodliness. 